Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to the final chapter, the final last half chapter of John. We'll be finishing up our journey through John. We started this well before Christmas last year. We'll be concluding that today. We, uh, we stand on the brink of a new year, and um, this is the time when everybody starts looking at their gym possibilities. Should I join a gym, at least for the first couple months? Should I join a gym? And as Christians, hopefully, we also tend to think about how can I do better this year as a Christian? How can I grow in my relationship with Christ? And oftentimes what we think of is I need to read my Bible more and I need to pray more. And the reality is, is that if you're saved and, and you're, you're safe in the gospel, uh, that's a great thing to aspire to in the new year. Um, in fact, we as a church, this... Uh, The next series that we'll be introducing next Sunday is Delighting in the Word of God. Because that's our prayer for you as a people that as we uh, go through the first quarter of this year, our prayer for you is that you would delight. That it wouldn't just be a a resolution that I've got to be disciplined or I've got to check the check mark on my Bible reading plan. We want you to fall in love and delight in the Word of God. And so we're going to be studying Psalm 119. And the best way for me to describe Psalm 119, besides being an enormously large chapter of Scripture, by far the largest chapter in Scripture, the best way for me to describe it is a love letter to the Word of God. The psalmist is writing a love letter to the Word of God. Now, a lot of times when we want to we read more Scripture, we say, this year I'm going to do better, and, and we don't have a plan. We never put together a plan. Well, in case you're not aware, here at, at Wyatt, we have what's called the Wyatt Primer. Okay? So I'm going to do a little commercial here before we get on the sermon. And the Wyatt Primer is a daily email. It shows up in your email every morning at 5 a.m. So hopefully it's there when you wake up, unless you get up really early. It's there at 5 a.m. And what it is is it's, uh, it's a section of Scripture usually connected to what we'll be looking at Sunday. It's a few questions for you to just analyze and look at that text a little bit. It's a prayer, a paragraph prayer that's based on that Scripture. And then it's a dinner table question, what we call the dinner table question. That's maybe just a question for you to ask your kids that day to get them reflecting on that scripture. And that's, that's your plan, folks. If you're not reading the Word like you should, January 1st, you can just open up that email, as many people do, and just walk through Scripture every day. You have a plan. We're doing it. I'm doing the work for you. And so I would encourage you, if you don't receive the Wyatt Primer, there's several ways that you can register for that this morning. Uh, You can get the connection card. You can write your name and your email and just write Primer. 
and throw that in the offering plate at the end, we'll get you on the list. There's a sign-up list out at the sign-up desk uh, to sign up for the primer. Um, there's a link that just went up on Facebook this morning, and you can click on that link, and you can register for the primer there. But I would encourage you. It's a great tool. It's something that I think will encourage you daily. Uh, to, it doesn't take long, uh, five to ten minutes, uh, to just be in God's Word every day. And so we want you, uh, one more thing, in, this, in covering Psalm 119, there's 22 sections, okay? We're gonna, I'm going to preach through 11 of those sections. The other 11 sections are going to be looked at in the primer. And so that's another reason you should, um, you should subscribe to the primer so you can get the full benefit of Psalm 119. So there's my commercial. Uh, I hope I sold it well, and I hope you'll subscribe to that email and start receiving it. If you're not receiving it, we'll have you receiving it by January 1st so you can uh, get the new year off right, being in God's Word and being in prayer. So John chapter 21, we're going to read verses 15 through 25. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among brothers that his disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it was my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every, uh, were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So this is a, if you remember, you probably don't, this is a sequel sermon. We had Peter, Jesus, and a fire uh, several weeks ago in which that moment where Peter betrayed Christ. 
And so this morning we're going to look at Peter, Jesus, and another fire to look at part two and how Peter once again becomes reconciled to Christ. And, and Peter, we see here in this text that Peter is called to follow Christ because his purposes are great, even though they are difficult. So I want us to look at a few things we see about Peter being shown his purpose, being called back to his purpose. First thing is that Peter is shown that his purpose is persistent. Peter had messed up. He had. Peter in a moment, and it really, when you look at the story, and we looked at it, of course, but it doesn't really seem like he's in all that much danger because John's with him. John's not denying Christ. John's not getting in trouble. And yet, despite that, Peter, three times, even to a servant girl, he's just like, I don't know the Lord. I don't know Jesus. Mr. Mr. Not Me, I'll never let you down, Jesus. I'm your man. Denies knowing Christ. And we know that God took that denial seriously. It was not a small thing. Notice what the angels told the ladies at the, at the tomb in Mark 16, 7. The angel said, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. Did you catch that? Go and tell the disciples and Peter. His denial, as far as heaven was concerned, had placed him really out of the ranks temporarily of the disciples. I mean, and this would be embarrassing, right? If an angel shows up and he's ridiculing you, the angel shows up and basically what he says here is, words out in heaven, Peter, you're kind of a jerk. Peter, you, you're not even really a disciple anymore because you didn't want to be. When it came down to it, we're giving you what you want. You didn't want to be a disciple. And so, temporarily, they're letting Peter know that he had let the Lord down. His failure was looming large and had disrupted his status as a faithful disciple of Christ. But of course, we see here is forgiveness. Jesus is ready to forgive. In fact, I would argue that this whole thing, okay, the, the thing we looked at a couple weeks ago of the miraculous catch of fish and then Jesus appearing to his disciples on the shore and, and, and fixing them breakfast and gathering them up, I believe it was all, this was all central, Peter was central to this. And getting Peter back where he needed to be was central to this appearing of Christ. Peter had denied Christ by a charcoal fire. And here Jesus had made a charcoal fire to bring Peter back to his purpose. And we know that Peter, we know that Peter was desiring to be forgiven, right? We talked about this. I mean, he dives in the water to get to shore because he's going to the one, only one that he knows can give him forgiveness and, and get him back where he needs 
to be. This is how we should be in the aftermath of failure. As the offended, Jesus shows us the example of one who desires to forgive, to set up a moment at breakfast where he could forgive Peter. And Peter is enthusiastically desiring that forgiveness to make things right with the one he had hurt. Oh, if we could all just live that kind of life. If we could all follow those two examples of forgiving when we've been hurt and going enthusiastically and trying to make it right when we've hurt. How much better our marriages, our lives, our relationship with our kids would be. Let us, let us follow their example. But notice what Jesus asked him three times. This corresponds with his three denials, of course. He asked, do you love me? To which Peter replies, yeah, of course I do. And then Jesus follows up three times concerning Peter as a shepherd, Peter's purpose in the early church to be a shepherd of God's people. He says first, feed my lambs. The second time he says, tend my sheep. The third time he says, feed my sheep. You see, Peter had never stopped belonging to Jesus, right? Jesus had already been proclaimed uh, or Jesus had already proclaimed Peter as a believer. It is not that Peter gave up his salvation at the fire and was now getting his salvation back. No, he was getting back his purpose. This was about him getting back that purpose that he had been given as a disciple. Peter had been given the purpose of being a leader of the early church. His denial while it never took him out of salvation, had taken him off course for that purpose. His life's mission was to be this great leader, and he couldn't be that as a denier of Christ. This had to be taken care of before he could get on with his purpose. And we see that Jesus confronts Peter with his denial. He confronts him. It's not a painless process that Jesus brings Peter into here. Jesus asking him three times, it's taking him back to his failure. When Jesus repeats it a third time, it says Peter was grieved. I think in that moment Peter understood. Oh, okay, I see what's happening here. I denied him three times, and so now he's asking me three times if I love him. And it hurt him. It hurt him to go back to that moment. It feels like a butcher knife in his heart in this moment. It grieves him. But faithful are the wounds of a friend, as Scriptures tell us. Because it's not a butcher knife in his heart. It's actually the careful care of a surgeon. It's a, the careful care of a surgeon's scalpel. For Jesus does not take Peter to his failure to leave him there, but to take him back there so he can walk away from it with strength and resolve. Jesus, in his grace and mercy, he's reminding Peter who he really is. He's not the Christ denier. He is the strong 
shepherd who will bring many sheep into the fold and will care for them. We see this as early as Acts chapter 2. We see no sign of the weak Christ denier. He stands before thousands in Jerusalem, and here's what he says to them. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, man attest, uh, I, uh, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified, you killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And that day, 3,000 people came into the church. Gone is the denier that, that cowered at a servant girl going, oh, I cannot proclaim my love of Christ in this moment. Gone is that Peter. Peter stands before them and he proclaims and thousands come into the kingdom. This is the beauty of redemption. That a man was not cast aside for his mistake forever. He was brought back to do amazing things for the Lord. Reestablished in His purpose. This is the power of God and redemption. Christians, we stand on the brink of a new year. And I ask you, how did you do in 2019? How have you done in 2019? Did you live your purpose of glorifying God? Did you live your mission of proclaiming Christ to the world? Did you read your Bible like you should have? Did you pray like you should have? If you failed, know this, that God's desire is not to cast you aside. But to reestablish you in your purpose for 2020. For you to go from a year when you failed Him to a year when you grew in Christ, when you grew closer to Him, when you grew in your love and your dependence on the Gospel and your desire for Him. That's what He wants to do. You don't have to, you don't have to rest on your laws because of your failure. Move forward. That's what Peter did. Peter went from a Christ denier to standing before thousands and boldly proclaiming, proclaiming Christ. And God wants to do that in your life despite anything you failed to do this year. Peter is, is next shown that it's, it's going to be his purpose, uh, show that his purpose must persevere. Jesus reestablishes Peter in the path that he had ordained for him, but he lets him in on a little secret. Hey, Peter, I'm calling you to something beautiful, but guess what, man? It's going to be hard. It's going to end very badly for you, in fact. And this is when he tells him, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were, are old, you will stretch out your hands and other people will dress and carry you where you do not want to go. And we're told here by John that this was to show the kind of death that Peter would die. Historical accounts tells us that at least 
that Peter was crucified. That's just pretty much a given. Historically, Peter ended being crucified. There's legend, and we don't know that this is for sure, but Peter, at his crucifixion, did not feel like he should die in the exact same way that Christ died, and so he said, can I be crucified upside down? We don't know that that's true, but we know crucifixion in and of itself is bad enough, whether it's right side up or upside down. It ended very badly for Peter by the world's standards. I don't know about you, but I prefer not knowing how I'm going to go. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what age. I don't want to know what it's going to be of. And if it's going to be described as someone is going to manhandle me to death, I really don't want to know that. Because I'd have a lot of trouble being happy knowing that that's coming. But Jesus, for his own purposes, he decided to let Peter know that the end wasn't going to be pretty. He is simultaneously calling Peter to something beautiful, the feeding and the tending of God's people. Thousands of people would be, would be, in, eternal, would be in eternal glory from Peter's, just one sermon of Peter. Peter and the disciples, they laid the foundation of what we're still building on today, folks. But while he calls them to something wonderful, he lets them know that there's going to be a cost. That because Peter is this great leader, that's out front in the, in, the, in the early church, he's going to be cut down by those who don't like the early church. He's going to be cut down by people who want to kill the early church. And so he's going to pay a price for being this leader. Folks, lots of people want to sell you faith of ease. Whether you call it health and wealth or whether you call it your best life now, Know that that's not the faith that Jesus sells us. He calls us to a beautiful work, no doubt, but a painful work. A work where it's not always going to go our way. It's not always going to go our way. Christ, uh, following Christ is a worthy path, but it's not going to be a path of ease. So Jesus has laid it all out there for Peter. I'm calling you to an amazing purpose, and that purpose is going to cost you dearly. Now I love what he says next. After saying that, he says, follow me. You're going to die a brutal death. Follow me. He's hidden nothing from Peter, and he calls him to that wonderful path of following him. You know, there's a, really a great dichotomy in, in following Christ. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? But he also says in Matthew 16, 24, says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So which is it? Are we taking on a light burden that's easy to carry? 
Are we picking up an instrument of death? Which is it? The answer is yes. It's both. Jesus took up the burden of the literal cross, but it says that He endured it for the joy before Him. The cross was horrible. It was horrible. And yet, it brought glory to God and salvation to men who believe. So after the pain came glory everlasting. Whatever God calls us to carry as we follow Him will be light compared to the burden of sin and death. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. No matter the gruesomeness of Peter's death, crucified regular, crucified upside down, he would tell us it was worth it to fulfill the purposes of God. It was but a light, momentary burden compared to the eternal glory that it brought. Folks, let us follow Christ for all that He has for us. The laughter, the tears, the life, the death, the straight path, the crooked path, wherever it leads, let us go. When He says, follow me, let's say, no matter where it goes, Let's follow Him into something beautiful. Beautiful lives live for the purpose of God. And finally, when Peter has also shown that his purpose is personal. After this, after he's called, after he says, hey, I'm calling you the great things, feeding my sheep, the end's not going to go well for you, follow me. Peter does this. Peter points out at John in verse 21 and says, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This is so human of Peter, right? When, when something is laid out for us, this is what you're getting, Peter. Peter, you're getting a great life of, of tending my sheep ending with a horrible death. That's what you're getting. To which Peter goes, what about him? Right? That's us, right? Instead of just saying, hey, yes, this is my purpose, we want to say, okay, I'm getting that. What are they getting? Is Peter going to, what's, what, what's, what's John's death going to be like? Is it going to be as bad as mine? And we see here that our purposes, God's purposes for us are personal. They're personal. We are gifted different. We, our purpose will not look like others. Your purpose will not look at everyone like everyone else here at Wyatt Baptist Church. You are gifted differently and you have burdens that are for different people than what other people have around you. Some have burdens for international students. Some have burdens for addicts. Some have burdens for blue-collar people at the plant. Others have 
Passion for white-collar people at Murphy Oil. Old people, young people, rich people, poor people, people raised in church, people who have never set foot in one. Mission trips overseas, mission trips here at home. Workplace, home. Where you, where you live and work and, and what God's put on your heart and the giftings He's given you. We're all going to look very different in how our lives play out and how we minister and how we contribute to the kingdom of God. Listen, don't go, well, what are they doing? I don't have that. Like, I don't really like what they're doing. It doesn't matter what, if you like what they're doing. If they're living in obedience to the Scriptures and, and they're living the mission, it's not going to look like you. It doesn't have to look like you. While our mission as a church is singular, we will only accomplish that mission through the personal gifts and passions that God has given us as individuals. Understand that? Our mission is singular. We've got a mission as a church, the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. But there's going to be a, hundreds of different ways of how we do that because we're hundreds of different people. I'm burdened for these people. I'm burdened for... For my kids, I'm burdened for this type of person. I, I want to do this kind of ministry because I'm gifted in that way. You, you get my point here, I, I hope. Jesus had a specific vision and purpose for Peter, and he had a specific version of, or a specific vision and purpose for John. And his response to, basically to Peter is, it's none of your business what I have for John. And know this, that your purpose may come at a higher price. Some of you, you know, sometimes you're going you're gonna to be working hard at, at ministry, and you're going to look over there, and you're going to see somebody, and they're doing awesome. Man, people just, their ministry is thriving, and yours is a train wreck. And you'll be tempted to think, well, why can't my ministry be like theirs, or or their ministry like mine, what, what's the deal here? And it's God's business. It's God's business how difficult he wants to make your path in, in, in ministry. It's his business how difficult he wants to make your contribution to the kingdom. In other nations, people are getting struck down. They get struck down. Their family gets struck down for following Christ. They're not receiving a raw deal. They're fulfilling their purposes that God has for them. And whatever purposes they are fulfilling, they will be rewarded. And they will say it was worth it. So just rejoice. You keep fighting. If you see someone else successful, go, praise God. Maybe one day my ministry can be like that. Maybe one day I can go on mission trips and have people respond to me like that. Maybe one day I can build a ministry like they're building. And praise God for their success. Celebrate it and realize that God's called us all to different things. Rejoice and keep fighting. Fighting for your purpose. Don't worry about, it's personal, right? That's my main point here on this last point. It's personal. Live your purpose. Live your purpose. 
But it needs to be to glorify God. It needs to be to reach people with the gospel. But how you choose to do that, if you're doing it in obedience to the scriptures, then do it. Do it. So God is calling you in 2020 to great things. He wants to see you fulfill your purpose. No matter if you've made a train wreck of 2019, in 2020, he wants to do great and amazing things through you. And I would encourage you to, to pray, to ask God, does he want you to go on a mission trip this year? Does he, what does he want you to do? Does he want you to, to have more devotions with your children? Does he, he want you to read your Bible more, pray more? And whatever, whatever he leads you to do this year, this new year, and do it and realize that and he's called you to great things. And it may cost you. It's a price. There will be a price. But it'll be worth paying in the service of our Lord. As our musicians come, I'm going to ask you to please stand. And we're going to say a word of prayer. And then I'll ask you to respond however God has placed you, uh, however God has placed on your heart to respond to him through his word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the example of Peter. I need it. God, I mess up. We all mess up. God, remind us who, are, who we are this morning. Those of us who know you, who have been saved, God, help us to remember who we are and why we're here. And God, help us to realize that you have great and amazing things for us in the year ahead. If we would pursue you, if we would seek you, God, help us to pursue you. Help us to live our purpose. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.